You are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at www.kpfa.org. The time is 3 o'clock. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover, Open Book. Good afternoon, and welcome to Cover to Cover, Open Book. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. This week, we commemorate the first anniversary of Hurricane Katrina and the tragedy and loss in the aftermath. We also want to honor the resilience of the people in the South, as well as their rich culture. For the next half hour, we bring you the first part of an encore presentation of Crew of Neptune, which was originally produced by Anne Galjur as part of the Solo Mio Festival in 1992. Inspired by her backwater bayou upbringing, Anne Galjur has woven together a series of portraits of a Louisiana family as it prepares for the traditional Mardi Gras Festival. The night of the Crew of Neptune Ball is approaching. Two sisters prepare for the festivities in the face of growing conflict in the family. It is the aftermath of their mother's death. Now, the crew of Neptune, created and performed by Anne Galjour. I was in the cemetery for All Souls Day. Everyone was out cleaning a year's worth of powdered car fumes and bird mess from the tombs. I saw people I hadn't seen in a long, long time. Like Joe. He was over his family watching them work. Mita was on her knees scrubbing the inlaid oyster boat on Joe's tomb's face with a toothbrush. Louis was on the stepladder giving Joe's roof and cross a new coat of paint. Mita lifted the cover of Joe's picture plate and began to sing to his face in the frame. And Joe was gazing on Louis, who was biting his lip, trying not to laugh at his mama. I moved among the tombs to a litany of Hail Marys and scrubbing. The sky was as blue as the Virgin Mary's veil. All across the cemetery between the whitewashed and marble houses of the dead were brown, sun-dried tears across the tombs of those that were forgotten. Forgotten? (sighs) Then I heard a singing that came from my tomb. When I moved closer, I saw the song came from Camille. She was on her knees with the scrub brush singing to the stone angel. I sang with her. Ave, Ave, Ave Maria. Ave, Ave, Ave Maria. Immaculate Mary, your praises we sing. You reign now in splendor with Jesus our... Shut up. You disturbing the dead. Rose, let her sing. No, no, stop it, I said. Camille, baby, I told you to wipe the angel's head, not clean each individual fingernail. Now, come on. I don't want to be here when it gets dark. Rose windexed my tomb's face. She lifted the cover of my picture plate and spritzed my face in the frame. 
She locked her jaw and stared into the eyes of my hand-painted photo. I knew what she was thinking. I bet Tookie won't come. Of course he won't come, Rose. You tried to kill his rooster. His bird attacked me, Camille. Now all I did was defend myself. Now come on. I don't want to be here when Mama's rosary starts to glow in the dark. Rose got up the stepladder and unwound my rosary from the cross and dropped it in the bucket. Camille looked at the angel, then up her sister's skirt. Rose, I can get my ears pierced. No. Now you clean Mama's rosary while I scrub the cross, please. Rose, Mama said when I started my period, I could get my ears pierced. Well, baby, Mama lives here now. You live with me. I say no, Rose. You have forgotten. No. No, I remember what Mama said. <sighs> But you're too young, Camille. Now, baby, you're gonna look like a slut. And I know how you are. You're gonna be wanting those big hoop earrings, and then you'll be playing in the woods. Your earring will get stuck on a branch. It's gonna split your lobe in two. Now, come on, hand me up Mama's rosary. I wish Mama was alive. She let me get my ears pierced. Well, baby, if Mama loved her children as much as she did her pills, maybe she would be. When Rose stepped down the ladder and replaced the old plastic flowers with the new, she didn't realize it, but she just turned the slow burning flames of purgatory on high. My daddy always said you never have to go past your own backyard to find what you're looking for, and he was right. You see, I was in my backyard with my machete and my rake. Now, it took me a whole year just to be able to go back there and clean out all the weeds and slimy rot that claimed my mama's garden. And I asked my brother Tookie to help me, but no, he wouldn't. He just sat in his yard shucking oysters for his rooster, Danny. So while I'm back there on my knees, working up a sweat and yanking up these okra vines and snap bean poles, I see something I haven't seen since I was a little girl—the canal behind my house. You see, it pours out of the bayou, dark and brown, and it empties way, way out into the marsh. Now, when me and Tookie were little, sometimes my daddy would take us in his pirogue and we'd go fishing and check the crab traps. And then when we get back, my mama was always waiting for us in the yard, so afraid an alligator came and snapped one of us up. But when I saw it again that afternoon, I decided right then and there that I was going to build me a wharf, and I was going to get me a flatboat, and I was going to row far enough down the canal till I saw the pelicans and the blue herons, and then just row all the way back. But then, from the corner of my eye, I could see my brother's rooster standing on top of my refuse pile, flexing his wings and his spurs with his red crown held high. Hey, you! I am not chicken, but I ain't turning my back on you because if you attack me again, oh, I'ma get you this time. Oh yeah, this time I'm gonna get you with my blade. <laughs> so I went back to work. The smell of freshly burnt cane was rising from the field behind my canal, and while I was fighting with this blackberry vine that was as thick as a water moccasin, I saw my mama's gold monogram alligator belt. It was covered in green mold and rooster mess. I was just gonna hack into pieces when I heard a wind of speckled wings, and before I could run, he was digging his spurs in my calf.
I was grabbing the belt to beat him. Hey, Rose, you leave Danny alone. He was my brother, Tookie. He was staying in there pointing his oyster knife at me. His bird took off behind my azalea bush. I showed him where his rooster attacked me. Well, he's probably upset you tearing up Mama's garden. Isn't that right, son? Oh. oh. Well, here, Danny. Look, Daddy's shucking oyster for you. Here, son, come on. Come on. Come on. You build him a pen, Tookie. You build him a pen or I swear to God, if he attacks me again, I mean it. I'm taking matters in my own hands. You beat my rooster, Rose. I'm going to kill you. You hear me? I'm going to kill you. For ten years, you never helped me pick up Mama's pills. I am not picking up your roosters. I'm killing that bird. I am going to pluck him, and I'm going to eat him raw. Rose, Miss Mita's on the phone for you. Tell her I'm going to call her back. She says it's important. It's about the Mardi Gras carnival ball. God. Rose flew past me like a mad woman with blood dripping down her leg. I went in the backyard to see what she'd done. The garden was finally gone. Everything was flat and it smelt like dirt and burnt cane. So good. Till I saw my mama's gold monogram alligator belt. Made my back sting. I'm gonna be a queen. What do you mean, Rose? You already act like one. Hey, wait a minute, Camille. For three years, I have been putting my name in the hat to get picked. And this year, I'm gonna be the queen of the crew of Neptune. It's gonna be beautiful. I'm gonna enter through the front doors of the VFW Hall. And I'm gonna go down the seaweed runway to meet my king. He'll be waiting for me in front of the golden trawl net. He'll take my hand. We'll circle the hall three times. We'll drop our masks. The net will fall. We walk up the steps of the stage. And don't worry, baby. I'm going to pause so everybody can see our beautiful crown mermaid on my train. And then the men in the court are going to draw their seahorse swords from their scabbards to form an arch that we're going to walk under. And then... This giant oyster shell is going to descend, open up, and we'll sit on these two pearly cushions that'll be our throne. I'll wave my starfish scepter to give the red devils a sign to start playing. And then everybody can dance. So, what are you going to be, Camille? Ballerina. <laughs> I'm going to have a blue satin leotard with blue sequin spaghetti straps. I'm going to have a blue chiffon skirt with elastic sequins at the waist. And I'm going to have these pink ballet tights and some ballet slippers with some pink satin ribbons sewn on the ankles to make them look like toe shoes. And then I have my hair pulled up. And I have a pearl necklace and pearl earrings. Ballerina. Hmm. Oh, baby, watch it. You're putting too much glue on that sequin. It's going to bleed on the fins. With toothpicks and Elma's glue, we fashioned the green and silver sequins that made up the scales of my train. We put a sequin on the finger. We dot it with Elma's and tip it on the toothpick to form the scales. The scales turned to fins, and the fins turned into the blue-green water behind it. 
Working with the knowledge that ran through our fingers, we were lost in this watery world that lay on the wooden table. Till the doorbell rang. Camille quickly covered everything up with a sheet. And through the wind, I could see two brown eyes straining to look in. And when I opened the door, it was like I was hit by a wave of mud and oyster juice. Uh, Louis, uh, what you doing looking through my window, you? Uh, I wanted to see if somebody was inside. Yeah? Well, um, what you saw? Uh, you. Yeah? Uh, what else? Uh, you picture the exposed sacred heart of Jesus behind you, yeah? Anything else? Your wall, Rose. <laughs> I brought you a sack of oysters. Oh, mon dear, Danny's gonna smell that. He's gonna come over here and you... Don't worry. <laughs> the rooster's not over there. <laughs> I saw Tookie in his truck on my way over here, and when I passed him up, his bird was jumping up and down on the passenger side. <laughs> you got oyster knife, Rose? I could shuck him for you. Oh, no, that's okay. I like to shuck. You got some oil, Rose? I know a really good way of frying them. Rose, don't you know we got our supper on our table? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Louis. We have our supper on our table. Oh, okay. Uh, Bye-bye. He walked up the trail of oyster juice up to the edge of my driveway. And then he got in his truck and left. Rose, I can get my ears pierced. No. Give her what she wants. Okay. Okay. But Camille, you have to use your money. The night before I got my ears pierced, I couldn't go to sleep. <laughs> I sat up in bed fingering the ten-carat gold ball earrings I got at Dufresne's Jewelers with all my money. And the next morning, I did everything Miss Mita told me to do. I went to the IGA. I got a five-pound bag of ice. A bottle of rubbing alcohol and some cotton balls. I decided to go along the bayou side to watch myself walk and see the cars passing in the water. When I got in front of Miss Mita's house, I smiled at myself and I crossed the road. Through her screen door, I could see this candle burning on the table. Viens donc, When I opened it, there she was waiting for me with the needle in her hand. Give me the ice bit. I handed him to her, and I put the bottle of alcohol and the cotton balls next to the candle, and next to the needle was a potato. She filled up the headache bags with ice, and she had me sit on her kitchen stool. All across her walls was pictures of Louis from the time he was a baby, all the way to when he was in his army uniform. I didn't know her son was in the army. Well, above her picture of the Pope was this plaque. It said, To me, Todd Thomasy, for 25 years of service to the crew of Neptune. Below the words was the three holy monkeys. They were sitting in this bronze pirog, putting their hands over their eyes, ears, and mouth. Where's your earrings, babe? I pulled them out my pocket, and I put the headache bags on my lobes. Too bad your mama's not here to see this.
Above bed, you know I me. Mean, that's how I want to go. You know, peaceful. Just never waking up from my nap. You feel that? A little. She passed the needle through the flame. I could see the monkeys floating on the wall. Then she wiped it with alcohol and put the potato behind my ear. Miss Mita, you're not gonna mesh in my earlobe, babe. I've been piercing ears for twenty-five years. I know where the middle is. She leaned up against me, smelling like pledge, and my mama. You scared? Hmm. A little. Don't be. It's gonna be like a little mosquito bite, babe. Just like a little mosquito bite. Oh, I felt my eardrums swell up to a hot pop. It looked like the monkeys were really rocking on the wall. She turned the potato from side to side, and then everything calmed down. God, what I told you. She pulled out the needle. She slipped in my earring and fastened the backing. Then she flipped over my earlobe to check out her work. And then she started everything all over again on the other side. You miss your mama? Oh, oh, yeah. Too bad Rose and Tookie can't get along. Up at Nan's, rolling over in her grave to see what they're doing to everything she left, y'all. Rose says Tookie started it, God. Just because Tookie didn't help take care of your mama when she was her sickest, don't mean that Rose had to give Nan's blackjack table to the priest when she knew your mama wanted Tookie to have it. So nobody should be surprised about that rooster there. Rose knows how your brother is. But that's your sister for you, babe. She loves so much to fight. She don't use her mind to figure out what kind of gumbo or fricassee she could make out the damn thing. Oh, Camille, your family. What family, Miss Mita? Tookie don't even let me in his house anymore. He thinks I'm always with Rose. He's mean, Miss Mita. He's always been mean. You gotta understand something, Camille. Now your brother was your age when your daddy fell off the oyster boat and drowned. And don't get me wrong, I mean your mama was a saint. Yeah, to suffer through all the operations she'd been through, but she didn't let your brother have any of your daddy's things. You know she made the priest say the funeral mass on the oyster boat where he fell at the Gulf. You were so little, babe. I held you in my arms. The boat was rocking so much in the waves you stayed asleep the whole time. But I want you to know, your brother took that so hard when your mama dropped your daddy's Knights of Columbus ring and soared over the railing. And then when it came time to receive Holy Communion there, he went, he locked himself in the engine room, and he stayed there till we got back to the wharf. Oh, you Camille, your ears look good. She closed the bottle of rubbing alcohol, and the kitchen smelt back to normal. I pulled out a five-dollar bill and I put it on the table, and then she handed me a mirror to show me her work. One gold ball was perfect, but the other one was like a little low and tilted downwards. But heck, I mean, I had pierced ears. Écoutez. Now you leave your gold balls in for at least six weeks. And you turn them around a few times every hour so the meat don't stick to the post. And then you wipe that every morning and every night with some rubbing alcohols. And 
that old Mardi Gras just around the corner make no hanging earrings for you. Écoutez, they're too heavy, babe. They're gonna give you elephant ears. <laughs> Baby, you just look so pretty. Let's go home. <laughs> I had to get out of the house. It smelled too much like rubbing alcohol with Camille constantly wiping her earlobes. The baby cane was rising from the field behind the canal, and in my yard, all the azaleas were budding early. Everything looked so tender and green that I just lay down on the new clover. I closed my eyes and I saw the fiery sun inside, and I saw me inside the sun in my blue queen's carnival ball gown. The wind swept me down the light, waving my scepter, and he twirled me with his breath till the blue turned to green in the eyes of the sun. And then we danced, and we danced till this dark, rusty shadow cut me from my sight. What you done with Danny, Rose? <laughs> I didn't do nothing with Danny, Tookie. I mean it. What you done with my rooster? I told you, I didn't do anything. Did you think to go check the canal for some feathers? Oh, funny, funny! I bet you think you got away with it, huh? Well, I'ma get me a hound dog, Rose. I'ma come sniff your place up. I'ma find out where you put 'em. Hey, why put it on me? Did you think to go and check the road for a red puddle? I better yet, Tookie. Why did you come check my new barbecue pit? Five days after I got my ears pierced. My neck was so stiff I couldn't move it from side to side. As sick as I was, I still managed to get up and wipe myself with alcohol. My earlobes were so swollen I couldn't see the gold balls. I put on my school uniform, but instead of getting on the school bus, I took a walk to Miss Mita's house. I opened her screen door, but nobody was home. I could hear some chickens and the sound of an electric motor coming from her backyard. I walked around the shed hoping to find her, but there were the chickens staring up at something just as quiet as could be. And when I looked up, I saw Louis. He was holding a chicken like a baby in his hands. He held her by the ankles with one hand. And then he held her head and pinched her beak shut with the other. He started talking to her gently in the eye, and rubbing her little head. And then he bent over and kissed her, and then he smashed her head against the gravelly wheel till it splattered out chunks of skull down to her neck. The fire in my neck started to pump out sweat. He tied up her ankles and hung her upside down to drip. Camille. What you doing here? You? Why you not at school? I gotta see your mama. Ooh, mon dear, your earlobes look like two cherries about to pop. That's why I gotta see your mama. I'll just walk home. I- I'm gonna wait for Rose to get off of work. Uh-uh, Camille. Come inside my trailer. Let me check you out. I walked behind him, so afraid of what Rose would do if she ever knew I was back here. His trailer looked like a silver teardrop laid on its side. He opened the door, and we stepped into the dark. 
when he flipped on the light, everything was brown. His sofa, shag carpeting, even his wood paneling. He took off his shirt and he began to pour Dr. Tishner's antiseptic all over his hands and arms. Come sit on my chair. He pulled out his tools from his first aid kit. All across his walls was athletic pictures and basketball trophies. He bent over me smelling like chicken blood in the doctor's office. Take off your earrings. It was hard to find the gold balls. They were completely covered in skin. I sat there looking straight up his nostrils wondering what he was going to do. I'm just going to feel your neck. I want to see how far your infection spread. When he got to my chest, I noticed the gun rack on his wall. Next to it was pictures of naked girls. I'm going to have to cut. Now just a little slit in each lobe so your infection can drain. Why can't my holes do the draining? They stopped up, Camille. Now you don't want your ears to blow off, hmm? God. This is not the first time I have to fix up my mama's work. He pulled out a razor blade, and he wiped it with the antiseptic. That's all you're going to do to me, Louis? Slip my earlobes? With the corner of this blade, like a little scrape. Do it. He looked me in the eye. He stretched my lobe and cut. Ooh, the pus shot against his cheek. I felt my shoulder drop two inches. Hot water and blood started to drip down my neck. And then he wiped the pus from his face. Gaw, you see what I mean? He did the same thing to the other side, but he moved his head quick enough to dodge the shot. He wiped me with peroxide. Oh, I could feel it bubble and burn. Now just sit and drain. For the first time in three days, I could move my neck from side to side. That's when I noticed all these walking canes and these crutches in a barrel. Louis, you broke your leg once. Mm, yeah. How's your sister? All right. Mm, not really. She's mad because Tookie barred somebody's hound dog. It tore up our whole yard in our azalea bush looking for Danny. He put his thumb to his mouth. Then he spit out a nail. It's too bad. I know how much you love this bird. <laughs> yeah. You don't feel bad about what you done to her? What? Rose? No. No, <laughs> the chicken. Oh, well. I'm going to say grace before I eat it. Your sister must be relieved to not have to take care of your mama anymore, huh? Are you kidding? She still got me. Well, I bet she can't wait for you to get out the house. No way. She hardly never lets me out. And then she always complains about how much I make a mess and how I should respect her more. Well, it's not like she has to feed you or give you a bath like she had to do your mama, huh? <laughs> no. And I mean, you help out around the house, huh? Um, yeah. Yeah, I help out. Well, Rose needs to get a, a boyfriend. 
leave you alone. He closed the antiseptic bottle and he put everything back in his kit. And he cut up two band-aids and cuffed my cuts. Louis, are you gonna go to the Mardi Gras ball? You bet. What's he gonna be? It's none of your business. Camille, you want that chicken? Oh no, <laughs> no. You've been listening to Cover to Cover Open Book, which featured part one of Anne Gelger performing her original work, Crew of Neptune. The story first came to our attention when it played at the San Francisco Solo Mio Festival in 1992. Tune in to Act One this Sunday evening, September 3rd at 7.30 p.m. when we bring you part two of this one-woman performance, Crew of Neptune. With Erica Bridgman at the controls, I'm Amelia Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. It was such a fine spring day Down Louisiana way With fragrance divine They they had a horrible time in the Superdome. People acted up and tore up furniture and really acted up at the Superdome. People was left stranded. Nobody had seemed to have any idea what to do. You're looking for somebody to be frustrated. Yeah, people that was mad because of their lost things, they lost their loved ones. And the longer we was left there, the worse it got. On the first anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, the Pacifica Network will broadcast from the Gulf Coast to the West Coast, Katrina before and after. Join host Debo Katoon of KPFK Los Angeles and co-hosts Cassandra Ashley of KPFT in Houston and Ambrose Lane of WPFW in Washington, D.C. for this historic